Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday, wherever you are in the world. I'm coming to you live from Austin, Texas with a create your own story mug today, because that is exactly what we are going to be talking about. But if you haven't already said hello in the chat, please do a happy birthday to Giacomo and Ellen, Sean and Anya and Michael and Jeff and Emily. Just if you haven't already, I promise we are a fun group here. We do a lot of digital networking. So if you haven't said hi in the chat, don't be shy. We're super nice. Say hi. Let us know where you're coming in from and maybe what is in your cup. I will tell you in mine today, it is some green tea with lemon, but I'm excited to hear what's in your cup today. I won't tell if there's like a little Kahlua in the coffee, if you know what I mean. So I am really excited for you to join today. If you are new here, we get together every single week at 1 p.m. Eastern to network, to learn, to copy the homework of really interesting people, whether they are founders or executives or celebrities or CEOs. So I'm excited that you are joining today because we are going to be talking to an outstanding standing individual and one that you will definitely be copying the homework from. So you might recognize Brad from some of his LinkedIn learning courses or the content that he pushes out on the platform right here on LinkedIn. So I knew that as we rounded out 2021 and we looked to 2022, we really needed to think about growth. We needed to think about growth for ourselves. We needed to think about growth for our companies or our teams or our organizations. And so when I went on this mission of like, who can we talk to about growth, about stepping up, about leadership? That's when I was like, ta-da, Brad. Brad is who we should be talking to about these things. So I am really excited that he's joining us today. So please help me by raising your glass virtually wherever you are and help me in welcoming Brad to our coffee date. Hey, thank you. That was such a nice warm welcome. Thank you. Well, it's good to have you. I'm excited. This is cool. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is uh, This is kind of a fun time as we come into the holidays and round out the year to, to not only look back, but look ahead, right? To look ahead, exactly. And I'm really excited because as I said before, we're taking questions live in real time, like we're all together for coffee. So um, I'm really excited that you're able to join us today. And I feel like first and foremost, I just, I have to brag on you just a, just a bit in case anyone, I always tell people to like Google stock. I'm like Google stock before they join us, but just okay. in case anybody didn't Google stock. Um, you are wildly successful, new company, LinkedIn learning courses, author, all the things. And you sold your first company at 18. I mean, yeah. holy moly, <laughs> at, at 18, I was still trying to figure out how to like wash clothes and cook over like chicken in my George Foreman up at college. So you oh have to like let us in on the little secret how at 18, when all of us were burning chicken in college, you were like, hey, I started a company and I sold it. Yeah, I mean, okay. So <laughs> by, by, by at 18, I think I thought I knew what I was doing, right? And now, gosh, many, many years later, you look back and think, gosh, I really didn't know. I just was in kind of the right place and I had a real passion. I, so I have been, my parents will tell you from day one, <laughs> was just a budding entrepreneur. Uh, uh, other kids were out riding bikes. I was uh, setting up lemonade stands, but then hiring my friends to run them, which was like the slight twist that that everybody knew something was a little a little different with the way that I was thinking about business. So I've always kind of had a passion for it, um, and I sort of was was right in the moment when you know computers were were getting more and more prolific. The internet was getting more and more prolific, transitioning from serial ports to USB, and all of this was very confusing. And so I started a computer business that went door to door 
with a with 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 my best friend in high school. And this was back when, you know, parents and adults were like, you know what, if a 16, 17, 18 year old kid comes in your house to fix the computer, it makes sense. Well, that you were like the OG geek squad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this was like right before the geek squad. This was before mobile computer repair was a thing. And um, sure enough, it it blew up like 1600, 2000 clients in Los Angeles. Big. Yeah. And it was one of those like, okay, time. But this is neat. But uh, what I realized, and this is actually how I got into marketing. I realized that at that time, I really wasn't that great at business, but I was really naturally thoughtful around marketing. We had everything from a brand presence, the touch points. I remember vividly picking out the exact color of t-shirts, right? So there was just this precision in thinking about marketing. And that's, I think, what helped the business grow and what got me started in realizing that, oh gosh, every entrepreneur needs sort of this innate understanding of marketing because that's really what makes or breaks it. If you can have a great product, but if nobody knows about it, you're, you're going to be in trouble, right? hundred percent. And I actually say that that's true for people as well. You could be the smartest, most talented person in your organization, in your department, but if nobody knows it, then you're not going to get picked to run the sales meeting, or you're <laughs> not going to get picked to lead the marketing presentation because no, you have not showed the genius that's in here to the outside world. Yeah. So yeah. I think everybody needs everybody needs a good scoop of that. Yeah, I like it. Well, and I'm curious for you. I feel like you sort of took this idea of you know people need help fixing computers and going to blow it up to as you said, two thousand clients. It's bananas. And I feel like that's kind of what you were doing for the majority of your kind of corporate career. You were coming into these brands that were already successful. You know, they already kind of had something going, whether it was TMZ or Toyota or LinkedIn and saying, you guys are doing great. It's not like you're doing bad. It's not like you're doing terrible, but you could be doing better, but you could be like thinking about growth in a new way. So I'm curious, that is a very specific marketing skill because most marketing is just hey we're going to grow this brand so that people know what it is but it's a different type of marketing to say people already know what toyota is or they already know what linkedin is or they already know what tmz is and how do i make it bigger so i'm curious how you got into like that specific niche of marketing yeah actually it was it was really so so to exactly like exiting this this company and kind of going on this this journey um, now social media advertising is becoming kind of this, this budding opportunity. Uh, Facebook is sort of allowing more and more colleges to, to come on board. I'm in college at the time. And I sort of have this thought that these companies are absolutely going to have to sell advertising. Uh, they're not doing it yet. You couldn't buy ads. Uh, so how I started to get embedded with these large organizations is I just postured as, hey, I, uh, I'm going to have early access to digital advertising. So we should start thinking about what you're going to be doing in these social media platforms. It's going to be a really interesting space. And I just started going to, to large organizations and selling them this story, this narrative, which transparently was not true. I didn't have, I didn't have access, but I knew that if I built a book of business, I could then take the book of business to Facebook and say, Hey, I have half a million dollars or a million dollars committed to joining your online advertising. When's it going to be available? And, and so I was able to get early access into this and bring these brands in. And so growth marketing, like this is before we were even saying growth marketing, was, was really joining a new space that had way less noise and creating a ton of awareness in this new medium. And so being an early adopter gives you early access to ideas, opportunities, testing. So right away, before even recognizing I'm doing growth marketing, because I'm still in college and even figuring out roughly how to do business. I am buying and selling ads for huge companies that didn't have anybody in their team that could understand it. And they're willing to take a risk because you're selling them the promise of this is, this is new and novel. And I'm the only one who's got it figured out. Not that I was the only one that had it figured out, right? There was plenty of other people doing this, but it was, it was early and it was new. And it was really interesting because brands saw tremendous success because there was no noise. And then you start naturally realizing that you have to do A-B testing, you have to try different concepts, you have to explore different ways of communicating. As more and more noise comes into the market, you have to start evolving the way that you do things. And so that's what sort of spun me into thinking about growth, was recognizing that you get in, you see the success, then the success starts to taper off. And I think that's sort of the natural reality of most marketing 
opportunities is we get, we get into something, we try something new, and then it tapers off. And what large companies were spending a lot of time doing is not letting one hand talk to the other. You had all of these disjointed teams sort of moving a large goal forward. And there wasn't sort of this one person coming in and, and asking like, what, like, are you not seeing the blind spot here? Are you not seeing sort of this, this opportunity? And when, when companies aren't thinking about something, the thing that I think we always forget is that as smart and savvy as organizations look on the outside, there's just a billion folks doing the best job they can and trying to collectively make something happen. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen with the same precision <laughs> that it happens when you come in from the outside. So the ability to come into TMZ and Toyota and others was not that they don't do exceptional marketing and work with amazing agencies that are probably smarter and, and more prolific. And I know you've got a ton of experience in doing this yourself. So it's not like there aren't a lot of creative folks. It's just that somebody who has done kind of the, the edge of marketing has sort of lived in the space of we're going to try some really new things and I can carry it with confidence is really what companies look for is just rest assured. I've been down this trail. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, it's going to be a little scary. So I know we deviated from the, from the question a little bit there, but I wanted to give some backstory because I thought it might be a little interesting. Totally. And I feel like as you, you know, were navigating high school and into college and even now, I would say, as you continue to grow, you know, grow the business and, and work on new projects. Did you have uh, mentors or people that were kind of helping you along the way? Or were you just sort of like, I'm throwing spaghetti against the wall and, and we're just seeing what sticks? Yeah. So first of all, I have to give, and this is, this is one of those cliches, but it's so true. I have to give credit to my mom, right? My mom was, uh, she had her own business. Uh, she was a private investigator, which, you know, was kind of an obscure thing. Uh, yeah, Sabia never got away with anything as a kid. Um, but she was incredibly, incredibly encouraging and followed and just allowed me the opportunity, but never gave me the answers. I said, you know, I would say, hey, I'm gonna start a business. She's like, I think you have to have a business license. I think you have to like have a name. I think you have to do this the right way. I'm like 12. So I have to give her props for sort of one mentoring that these opportunities are available and that you just need to explore them and not take no for an answer. Right? You just kind of have to accept the fact that to succeed as an entrepreneur, you need to be willing to be the exception. When everybody else is saying no, you have to say yes. I got my first bank account uh, before banks were like, they, they wouldn't let me get a bank account because I wasn't old enough. But I figured out that if I had a company, the company could have a bank account. So I just started a company to get a bank account because I needed to be the exception. So my mom was like my first huge mentor, followed just really that, that open opportunity. And then actually I, I made the terrible mistake of not finding or, or having a mentor. I would say from like 18 to 25, I was, my head was too big to fit in the room, right? I mean, let's be honest. I, I, was, I, was, I was having all this tremendous success. I was walking into companies and they were just saying yes. And who needed a mentor? I was the, I had all the answers. <laughs> I did not, right? I was not, I was not skilled and capable enough to know how this stuff really has to fit in to these larger organizations. So um, after that, I did, I started seeking out um, folks to mentor. Um, and got really lucky at Linda, uh, my, my boss at the time, David Bakey was a huge mentor for me, um, because he would recognize that I was in a role that I, at the time was just, I wasn't satisfied with. And he really encouraged and coached me to figure out how I could gain as many skills as I could out of this organization while, while simultaneously contributing. Right. And so when I began to understand this, I have things to learn from peers. I, I other marketers are really smart too. Like, like once I sort of let down the guard of imposter syndrome and started to accept conversations with other people, things really began to unlock. And I actually advise everybody, even entrepreneurs or marketers, find somebody that is, that is smarter or that has a different, not even doesn't have to be smarter. That's probably not the right term, but somebody that's, that's doing something different. It doesn't even have to be someone that's been in the same path as you, but somebody that's doing something different and equally challenging and, and, and find that person to begin to ask questions or at least have a conversation with once a month. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm all about the copying of homework over here, which, which actually reminds me if anybody wants to copy Brad's homework while we are, while we are talking, you don't have to worry about writing it down. You can just go to sendmenotes.com and we will send you all the notes from, from this discussion. So I don't want anyone being like, well, what did he say? And I'm freaking out. Don't freak out. Uh, you can just go to send me notes and we'll, we'll send you the notes afterwards. But I really, I love this question also that was just posed by Giacomo going into, you know, 
your entire career, you have really been like a futurist, I think, mm -hmm. like really trying to get ahead of, you know, whether it was Facebook ads or whether it was, you know, computer uh, fixing services in high school. So I'm curious, like right yeah. now, as we kind of round out 2021 and, and prepare for 2022, for anybody who's joining like me, who works in marketing or, you know, deals with marketing for their businesses, if they're a startup or a founder, where do you see kind of the big blue ocean as we head into the new year when it comes to marketing? Yeah, this is a really great question. Uh, and, and there's many ways that we can think about this question. And the, and the first rung for me is, what does it mean for individuals that are thinking about marketing? I think the future of marketing is going to be really hard. Um, I think it's going to be harder than it's ever been because the skills oh, okay. that you need to have to sort of access sort of this next rung of the way that marketing is moving are, are really broad. And the problem that we've, that we've, that we've done as companies is we've sort of we've made this prolific sense that marketers should be generalists. And, uh, and we've really abused that. I mean, so yeah. many marketers, uh, if, if you're listening, probably feel this way, is it's sort of like this catch-all bucket for solve all of these problems that the business has, which is not what marketers really need to be doing. And so marketing is, is hard because we're in this point where some companies are maturing and you're seeing a lot of specialization in marketing. And that's been happening for five or or more years, but more and more smaller companies are starting to realize that specialization in marketing is a thing. So one, we're gonna see more and more specialization because each of these lanes of opportunity, whether it's, it's, it's AI, whether it's this metaverse that's way out there, whether it's just um, SEO or even buying ads, they're getting more and more sophisticated, more and more complicated. It's very hard to be an expert at many things. When I started marketing, I could probably jump into any tool and move something forward. There are tools that at this day and age scare me. I'm like, I, I have to hire somebody. I have to bring somebody in. So the future of marketing is going to be for entrepreneurs is recognizing that you have to bring in specialists. You have to start moving away from this generalist mindset and finding specialization specialists. Um, it's going to get really hard on two fronts. It's going to get hard because of all these, all of this fact that everybody is kind of becoming self-sufficient at some of this like baseline marketing. So that, so the easy stuff is sort of getting self-sufficient. Uh, this yeah. last year, we all started learning how to make ourselves look better on camera and, and communicate our personal brands. And, and, and we're learning and there's all these tools have become much, much better at, at supporting it. Templates are better, tools are better. So it, it raises the bar because uh, as sort of the baseline gets really good at something, which is great, it means that you now have to stand up even further and get even further ahead. So we're going to see a lot of challenges in that vein, but also because I think consumers have really gotten marketing exhausted and we're moving into the personalization, I'm sorry, we're moving out of personalization into privatization, right? We've, we've gone through the dawn of personalization, personalized marketing. That's what we've been talking about for years. Private, pri private, private data is now the new thing. And so we're going to actually, my hunch is that we're going to move back into magazine marketing. So uh, take it back 30 years ago. If you wanted to sell fishing rods, you didn't know where to find fishermen in the general mass. So you started a magazine called Fishing. And you would write articles about fishing. And you would just put that magazine in a place where many people frequent. And the fishermen would self-elect to receive that advertising. And then you would know, I have a fisherman. So the value of properties that have very specific audiences are going to go way up as, as personalization and as this, private, as this private data goes away. So once we can stop understanding who's reading a blog, the, the, the nichier the content, the more valuable the marketing is going to be. And marketers are going to have to start sourcing magazines. Uh, and of course, there will be automation and tools that help us do this. But I think we're going to move into this, this idea of having to rethink the fact that we can just check every little box of the exact persona that we want, that's going to fade away over the next several years. And this generation behind us is armed with, leave us alone, don't have our data. And so we need to start thinking ahead of that. How are you going to start future-proofing your marketing if you got rid of all of your persona uh, filtering? Well, I have like a two-part question on that because it, I feel like it, it, it's two-part because they kind of connect. So the first is if you were a founder right now, me yeah. or anyone else who's joining, 
What are, and you're talking about like really niching down and hiring those specialists. What are two, this is the first part of the question. What are two specialists that you're like, you absolutely need a Facebook manager or whatever ads manager, whatever. Like who are those two people that you would look to hire in 2022? And then secondly, which sort of kind of coasts into this question, if you are looking for a job in marketing, this is why it's kind of connected. Are you like, oh man, in 2022, I think Facebook ads, probably not that, are going to be the future. So, you know, that's something that I, you know, if I were 18 yeah. again or going into college or not going into college, just, you know, learning something on Madecraft or LinkedIn Learning or Linda or any of these places, that's what I would focus on. So like, who are the two people that you think are going to be kind of key hires in, mm. in marketing in 2022? Mm -hmm. And then if you're a newbie, what sector of marketing would you go into because you think it's only yeah. going to grow? Yeah. So the first question is, is one of those sort of tricky questions because who you need specifically is going to depend on the type of marketing that you want. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I, uh, I had a great conversation with Shelby, who I know helps set up some of these, uh, these live uh, interactions. Um, and that if I was an individual personal brand doing this all the time, having a specialist in kind of a specialist producer in live is incredible. The value of some of, of having somebody who knows exactly how to set this up, uh, and Kim, I think you're doing an exceptional job with the way that you're kind of building this, uh, this this presence and this this interaction, this piece. Yeah, patch from the back, like like specializing in that for you as an individual uh, or you as a brand that works with individuals is incredible, and that's really great. I think if I was zooming back out and I was a larger company, um, where and where I would recommend people go into, and this is kind of fading and transitioning, but but being a product marketer uh, with a program management hat. So so it used to be do all the marketing. And now it's, in my opinion, it's we think more in the campaigns of a thing, the whole life cycle of something. So it used to be you'd sort of launch something like I'll send some emails out. Um, and you might have an email person that sends the emails out and then you might buy some ads with the Facebook, you know, ad person. Yeah. Like uh, your email person, your Facebook yeah. person, your Instagram person. Yeah. But now it's like, who's the showrunner? Who is the one that says, okay, mm -hmm. we're launching this new landing page. The goal is we want to drive sales in this segment. We need to, let's hypothetically, we have a software that crosses multiple personas, but now we want to target students. So we're going to build a whole new marketing experience for students. It's going to be educational pieces. There's going to be this marketing. There's going to be this whole component. Who is designing and assembling these big picture ideas, these bigger marketing initiatives that are that are whole programs, right? This is like you have to design a program that's going to be, there's these touch points and there's these white papers and there's all of these pieces. Often this has been the marketing generalist, but we're not really, you know, now we need specialists to do the individual work. So if you are incredibly creative and strategic, but don't like the actual act of, of getting into the numbers and getting into the data and manipulating the actual tools to execute, um, then there's this bubbling up of this opportunity for, for product marketing managers or program managers in the marketing space. And I think what you're going to see is, um, is all of the special specialties around tools will become more like operators. So I can be a Facebook ads operator. Like I know how to program Facebook ads, but I'm not the strategist. I didn't think about how to solve the problem. So I think as we get more and more specialized, and this is total hunch, you know, don't like, don't take this as like, <laughs> as, as like anything. Gospel. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's other people that are going to disagree with me and that's fine. I, I would, I would, really, if I was starting out, I would find my passion, what interests me most. There are, there are folks that love working in the data and the numbers. Obviously, uh, data analysts and business intelligence is becoming more and more a marketing function. And so I think if you're a numbers person, there's tons of opportunities in getting really smart with storytelling and data. Like being able to tell stories with data is, is a whole function of marketing. Um, and then there's like, the operation side of it, which is executing sort of the marketing tasks. And then there's the strategy. And if you want to get to the strategy, you sort of have to master some of the under level. So if you're new to marketing, I would find something, an opportunity anywhere that gets you exposure to some function 
whether it's just buying ads, whether it's just email, whether it's just X, but if you can find a function that allows you to specialize, it doesn't matter if you, if you don't want to do email marketing for the rest of your life, <laughs> but, but mastering a specialty makes it easier to move up because you're not sort of accumulating a bunch of general skills that never get refined. You end up honing a really good skill that you are becoming really, really known for. And then you can move that into a new level because people will trust when you're like, look, I've mastered email marketing. I have no problem moving into X, but they don't trust. Like you kind of are trying to juggle all these balls and it's not going so great. So one of the myths in marketing is to try to be really good at everything, but I would actually discourage that. If you're starting out, find something, the opportunity that lets you specialize. It doesn't matter if it's not the specialty forever, you'll be able to transition, but you have to get really good at one thing. Uh, well, what is that phrase? Um, master of every jack of all trades, master, master of none, none, or something. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. butchering that slightly, but you guys know what I'm saying. Where you're right, like you're a generalist, but those those people that really kind of focus on this one thing or that niche. But you're right. I mean, I think program-based marketing where somebody comes in and says, I'm really good at live events. I'm making that up. Yeah, you know, yeah. live events, I'm going to come in and do a, la a product launch for you in terms yeah. of a live event. And I'm known for it. And that's what I do. You know, that is really, that's really strong. I mean, that's essentially what I did with, with my company when it came to super fans. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of like, are we doing all this other stuff? No, but when it comes to your super fans, like, that's us like that. Yeah. Like we are your marketing team just for that just segment. For that. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. I feel like there is some benefit in really becoming an expert at your kind of sweet spot. Like that one place that you're really going to focus and, on. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think the program aspect is, is especially as we move into this creator economy, then, then this continues to, to expand, uh, supporting individuals. Uh, there's going to be plenty of revenue being generated by individual creators to support hiring folks that can extend those programs, that can think holistically about there's all of these assets and all of these pieces to support this community. And I think that's that's going to be really helpful. And, and, and again, like you're saying, finding that specific thing, like I work with, it's not just I work with people who stream. It's like I work with marketing professionals who stream online. I work with uh, there's a fear, especially in marketing and starting out is that you're going to pigeonhole yourself into something. But, uh, if there's a conference for it, there's enough business to support that niche. Um, Ooh, and that's such a good point. If there is a conference on it, there's enough business to yeah. support that. Ooh, that's a good, so maybe people can look and see if there's conferences yeah, about like, whatever, it, it, whatever it's they're talking about. Everything. You can like be a Lego creator. And there's a conference of folks that go and like make Legos, right? There's a whole business, there's a whole revenue stream there. There's, there's, if there's one thing that you kind of realize as you grow in entrepreneurship and as you can, as, as you advise other folks is that there's, there's, it's sure to, to launch a unicorn business. Yes. I understand. There's, there's an exceptional amount of thinking in white space, but to, to have a healthy, successful kind of stable life that you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of, of money in the niche. Like you'll be fine. You know, you can do it. There's a career growth opportunity there. And these skills are really transitory. So if you get really good at, at one lane, um, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to eject and move into aerospace marketing or something like that. Right. Like a lot of the skills are transitory. I'm curious when a lot of marketing we've seen, you know, does go digital, whether we're talking about Facebook ads or live streaming or whatever, I think, Ellen brings up a really good point here, which is as in 2022, we may hopefully, God willing, move back to live events, move back to in-person. What are your thoughts on those sort of soft skills, especially when it comes to marketing yourself, marketing your brand, your company? Do you think that those are those are dead or, or that they're coming back? Or is it something that people should really focus on? Yeah, I, I think it's the opposite. I think that um, I think we're getting really good at learning new things. I think we have had a lot of exposure to tools. I think that as more and more companies get really good at understanding UX and UI and thinking about the, the individual user, it's becoming easier for all of us, I hope. And I know that tools still need training and there's plenty of more and more resources, but 
there's a ton of access to learn something. Um, it's 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 not like it's 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 impossible, uh, you know, to pick up Adobe Illustrator and never having used it, watch enough available tutorials to get probably good. Not gonna make a career out of it, maybe if I don't commit. I can, I can get decent, but. If I'm not practicing what it really means to lead or be a manager or how to send really effective emails and how to communicate and how to have a, a, a professional presence. And like, if those soft skills aren't being polished and honed, especially as we move to remote, especially as I'm sitting in my home alone, like talking to my computer screen, like if we aren't continuing to invest and develop soft skills, there will be this gap of folks that can do it, but can't communicate or don't get hired because it's like, great, you're, you're like really, practitioner, but you're a risk to the company because you don't have these soft skills that are sort of necessary to succeed. Um, so I think that that on the contrary, I think that if you have exceptional, well-rounded soft skills, um, you can get in and 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 figure out the tactical. It's, it's so true. And I like speaking from experience. Yes, there have been people that I know in my life who are brilliant, super smart, geniuses but their companies these are our founders yeah. didn't quite because when it came to pitching investors or when it came mm -hmm. to marketing they like couldn't it like wasn't yeah. translating and so and then that's when you see some of these people i have to bring it up and just be gossipy for like one minute but like i've been fascinated by this elizabeth holmes trial I'm on the edge of my seat, hmm. like Theranos, yeah. the scandal, it didn't work, but she had all yeah. these like hundreds of millions of dollars in investment. This is very controversial, but I'm just going to say it. That woman is a brilliant marketer. Now, yeah. she could also be a criminal. The trial's not done yet. But the fact that she was able to, what is it, like sell snake oil or something? Yeah. Like she sold a product that didn't exist to some of the top investors, uh, argue, uh, political leaders, like mm -hmm. I so have I, been fascinated by that whole story. I think that there is, I think that, um, I think that this is one of those things where the master manipulators are right on the same edge as master marketers. Like they come full circle. Like if you're, if you're mastering at marketing, you're getting really close. Yes the people that are masters at manipulation. And mm -hmm. I think that's what you're seeing in Theranos. I think that she is a master manipulator. She's well, just and what, it, what it is too, is like you see some of these people succeed where I'm sure there was someone along the way, Ralph, who also had a good idea that maybe yeah. they were deciding, do we invest in Elizabeth or do we invest in Ralph? And Ralph probably had like the, the background and like the product, but he wasn't as good as marketing you know, as Elizabeth was, and, and like, even though her product didn't work, she won. Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree with you. I would say, Ellen, that soft skills are so needed, especially right now, because I think that's how you stand out. I mean, I'm curious for you, like one of the things that Abby, my business partner and I hear all the time in our business and, and what we really pride ourselves on, our clients say, I love working with you. It makes me feel like I'm working with a friend. Mm. And that to us is, and the work is, the work is good too, yeah. if I do say so myself. But but we really want to create this environment where people feel like, I like working with you. Mm -hmm. This is easy. This is fun. Because you can have a really great company, but if nobody likes working with you, kind of doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. do you have that same thought process? Yeah, I mean... Of course you want to be working with with people that you enjoy working with. And I think as we've moved into this, look, authenticity is become, has become a thread that we've talked about and it went through multiple levels. Authenticity was like, let's, let's, let's talk like we're authentic. Then it became, I guess we have to try a little bit. We should, we should communicate some authentic things. We should tap into a few things. And then it became, oh, authenticity starts at the core of an organization. In fact, growth marketing, often starts by looking at the entire organization and saying, you can't grow outside of yourself if you don't believe what you're actually selling. There's no hope for you. I won't work with you. You're, it's just, sure, you're going to make a run on it for the next five, 10 years, but at some point, your authenticity is going to catch up. Um, and brands go through this, even huge brands. Look at Amazon. Amazon is, 
is finding itself more and more at the center. And then what, what, what ends up happening? You watch these ads about, you know, folks at the warehouses and, and do you look at that and go, Oh gosh, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They must be so right. It must like, this ad is so whole. It's so authentic. No, you're like, this is, this is somebody posturing to be authentic. So, so when you are authentic to what you love to do, you're authentic to the people that you're working with and they're kind of having that authenticity with you. I think that's what creates sort of these really great pieces. So it's awesome to hear that because if you're, if you're connected with your clients in that way, then it's authentic. And I think that's the other piece is, look, we're not, not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything goes right. And honestly, the best authenticity is, Hey, I'm, I'm doing the best. I'm doing the best I can. Here's where we screwed up. Here's where how we're going to fix it. Here's where we're going from here. And if marketing, especially marketers should know, marketing is just a series of failures, right? I mean, all you're doing is kind of failing up. You're just like, okay, that went kind of well. Uh, what did we learn from it? Let's try it again. Let's, let's, let's invoke that. So that's a big piece. And then all the way back to the soft skills component and entrepreneurship and is, is, is the ability to be convincing, but authentically, right? And to do that, you kind of have to live out your truths and you have to live out the things that you're really passionate about and you have to get really good at recognizing that 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 gap because i think that that's i mean what people invest in 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 as, as a business if you're hiring a marketer anything is like if you're not very convincing then are you gonna be able to convince other people and it's not manipulate them there's a difference there's a difference between i need to manipulate these people to do it and just i genuinely believe that we are going to get to that mountaintop and I believe we can take this path to get there. And I need to convince you that that I'm that this is right. And and it's not because I want to manipulate you to go to that rooftop or that mountaintop. It's that I, I know that this is going to work. I really believe it. And let's do it together. Here's the risks. A hundred percent. And I'm, I love kind of your thought process when it comes to entrepreneurship and when it comes to being scrappy. Because if I had to pick one word that I feel like really you've carried through your whole careers like you've gotten scrappy like you're like this is what i have to work with like i can do more with less like really getting scrappy when it comes to marketing so i really appreciate this this kind of pop quiz uh from yeah. jeff which is if you yourself we're mm -hmm. launching a new product or, and, yeah. and I will adjust this question for people that might not be entrepreneurs and instead might be working in corporate. But if you are working in corporate and you are launching a new initiative or you are launching a new product within your company in 2022, what are some like scrappy tips, uh, maybe specifically to Kickstarter as well, that you would recommend people, people try? So this is a great question. And this is a fun one because I am not, I'm not a physical product marketer. So, so we're going to, we're going to have to kind of think about this from like a zoomed out perspective. We'll solve some problems here. We can think about this as, yeah. as like, okay, how would I attack this problem being personally, not the expert? Like I would not be, I would not sell myself as I'm the expert at helping you launch your Kickstarter campaign. I would, I would, this is a great place where I'd say there's probably an expert. There's probably a niche of someone that is an exceptional Kickstarter marketer that knows, right? Because what you're going to miss in marketing is we can say the broad strokes. And here's why people roll their eyes at a lot of marketing education is the broad strokes are kind of the same across the board, right? Have an exceptional yeah. brand, tell a really good product story, make a really compelling, visually interesting video and be able to articulate the value proposition that you're solving. Like all it is, is what's the problem and why is your solution better? And then how do I convince someone that it's better? But I don't know all of the levers to pull on Kickstarter. Someone might, someone might know specifically. Hey, there's, there's, uh, there's gamification in the reward levels. Uh, mm. There's manipulation or not manipulation, but there's, there's the ways that you can uh, do. I found three videos work better than one long video, right? This is yeah. where experts at something have information that can make you more successful. That I, as a marketer, don't have. I don't know the appropriate length for a Kickstarter launch video. I don't know the appropriate. Um, you know, reward levels. I don't, I don't know any of that. Now I know enough to say we need to find out those answers. And so if I was going to be successful at launching a Kickstarter campaign, I would stop thinking immediately about what am I launching and why? And I would start thinking about how do I reverse engineer all of the successful Kickstarter campaigns? If I had to be scrappy and I couldn't afford or hire somebody that's done this before, I would do some data modeling. I would go and I would look at the top 50 or 60 in the last quarter I would break those down into their individual product themes. Like these are the different product types. 
I'm sure there's already a taxonomy that exists. If not, I might open the code and look at the SEO tagging that they're using in their sort of uh, uh, in the breadcrumbs because somebody is taxonomy. Somebody has made a taxonomy for this, right? So figure out those category levels and then start to deduce what 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 thematically am I seeing consistent here? Is there a pattern that I can that I can hypothesize? Now it's not necessarily going to be accurate or true. But at least it'll get you closer. You know, it's like a rule of thumb. It's like in marketing, it's kind of like, eh, just get close enough and then I'll start there. So I'd probably look at, at what key elements there are. That would be how I'd make sure the campaign was good. But you probably want to start to make sure that, that there's some early testing in the product. Like friends and family are often way overly optimistic. So if you're ever starting a new product launch or a business launch, you got to go outside friends and family. <laughs> you need some folks that are going to give you just some raw, real feedback of like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why would I use that? That's what you want. And you need to be willing and accepting to embrace all of the hard questions. You need a good friend that's a devil's advocate. Even if they love your idea, just give them the authority to say, hey, play devil's advocate with me. Let's put me in the hot seat. So yeah. I'd start. I know that was kind of a roundabout answer and didn't give you the specific I'm I am obsessed with surveying people. Mm. Like I... Love it. Surveying people about me, surveying people about the ideas that I have. I, do you do a lot of that as well? I, I guess you do a lot of that one in your business, but then also just like in your life. Yeah. So, um, yeah. At, at, yeah, in my day-to-day -day business, constantly am, as, am asking across each sort of phase of a project or a process, whoever's involved, ah. um, how, do, how are we doing? Where are we at? Yeah. And then we do a 360 review. So at the end of each like program or project, it's every single person that had a touch point weighs in on the process. Um, mm. Now, I'm a big believer in net promoter scores across anything. One to 10 is the easiest. Like, the other thing that we have to realize is that when you're surveying and evaluating information, it's be realistic to how much you can use um, and how much you can act on. So overloading yourself with survey information is really, is really tough. And um, it's easier to just go, look, I just, I just need to know what, what is your real motivation for surveying? Hey, is this going well yeah. enough? Can we get at least get to the good and not like wh where are the problems or one to 10? How am I doing? Um, and, and that's oh, like, yeah. like, like it's, it's okay. And it's easier to look at that data trend over time and say, Hey, we were, we were doing a bunch of sixes. So we drilled into why we fixed the why's now we're doing eights. So what's it going to take to get to tens is a lot easier than I have 32 anecdotal answers to these survey questions that I don't know how to use the results from. It's true. You have to kind of chip away at the problem. I always like thinking about the analogy and I forget who said it or sorry, I'll Google it. But it, it was basically like how they created the David was it was one big marble stone and they just sort of chipped away. Yeah. Like he yeah. could see it in his head and then he chipped away and, and formed the David statue, which is obviously very mm. iconic. And I always think about that the same way. Like when you are surveying people, it's not that the survey results that come back are going to be like your end all be all like, ta-da, like jazz hands, we're done. But it's more like, chipping away like mm -hmm. okay well yeah. now we got this one little answer then we can find another little answer um i love using typeform what do you use yeah. to survey people yeah typeform is great um type honestly form. uh google forms i use a lot of google forms oh, google too forms. just because like i'm in the google suite and it's really easy and fast and honestly yeah. so one of the things that i just kind of as a tip on this is analysis paralysis and decision paralysis are so paramount in what we're doing as marketers that oftentimes you're trying to perfect or overthink or not even sure where to start and like just getting something out the door is better and uh, what i do with my team is i time box so hey we need to get this new marketing collateral out on this new initiative that we're starting i have a window from 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 3 30 to 4 15 let's do it let's just whatever comes out the other side um, and you just have to go, you just have to let it go out the door. That's so stressful. It's yes, but you have to practice the skill and, and you have to just accept that it's going to go out the door. So, uh, at Maidcraft, we use what we call dates and gates. So the idea is something dates has a date and, and there's a gate. The gate means this is the window by which a, 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 a response is needed. Hey, this new video is ready for review. This is the gate. Yeah. You are invited to review it. But the gate closes at this date. And if it closes, the rocket still launches. You know, there's no going back. 
So if you don't do your homework or your part, or you don't get it in in time, or that, that 20 minute window doesn't happen, it's okay, it has to move forward. You have to trust the people previously in the process did their job. It's the same thing when I think about, I'm gonna launch a survey, I'm gonna do something. It's like anything to get it out the door. You can make it right. better later, but, but, but you know, good is better than never done. <laughs> and that's true. And I like the dates and gates. It rhymes. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So dates and gates are a really good technique to use when, especially if you're dealing with clients and you said something earlier that I want to touch on too, which is even if you're in a corporate environment as a marketer, you're still an entrepreneur, you are an individual trying to sell yourself and your, your ideas to your organization. And you're trying to rise up in your career probably. So your company is your client. So when you kind of get yourself in that headspace, it's like, get stuff moving. And dates and gates are a great way to hold people accountable to, I need this from you. This is what we're doing it. This has to happen. I'm pushing this forward because the folks that I think often uh, really stand out are those that sort of have a, have a, I don't know, they're known for just stuff moves under their vision. They just move things forward. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And in marketing, it's like, we can overthink everything and it's still going to kind of not be exactly what we want. Yeah. No, I'm, I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that all the time. A hundred percent. Okay. So here's my favorite part of the copy, which is the very caffeinated speed round. Oh boy. Here we go. So are you ready? Let's just. Okay. Jolt ourselves up full of caffeine. Okay. What is something that you have started using or doing lately that you absolutely love could be an app that you use could be like a product that you bought just something mm -hmm. that you have been constantly telling friends about that you're like this is the best thing ever this is this is like so me and it's not going to work for anybody else but i do not wear <laughs> shoes with shoelaces i just don't like shoelaces i'm a i'm a, I'm a master of efficiency like i have like the, like i have this in every color and i just wear the same shirt every day um so oh, these are jealous. our physics and they're shoes with laces but they clip you clip your foot into it this is the most brilliant thing because it looks like I like, I wear normal shoes, but I get to continue to live my life of not having shoelaces. Um, I bought those exact shoes for my uncle last Christmas and I can safely say 10 out of 10, he loved them. Yes, loved great them. Christmas list gift. They're incredible. My wife got them for me for my birthday and it was, it's life-changing. I love it. It's a good like no fuss dream, dreamless item. I love it. Okay. What is the next thing? It could be, well, this year's almost over. So instead I'll say 2022, but is there something that you're really looking forward to learning, whether it's like a language or a specific skill? I just think obviously like you live in learning yeah. all day long, every day. Are you, is there anything that you selfishly are excited to learn about? So I just bought a 3d printer. And I am like obsessed about trying to learn 3D modeling. Like, 3D uh, modeling. Okay. Yeah. I continuously find problems in my house or in my life that I'm like, oh, if I could just make a little thing, I could solve that. Um, and there's this whole universe of stuff that you can download and just print. So, like, every day I'm like, oh, I'm going to print this little thing. Um, I just printed bike hooks like for what? my helmet. Like, I just, I had, like, I was organizing the garage. I was like, I need hooks for the helmet. And I just went on and found like bike hook helmets and I printed them out. I just put them on the wall. Done. Uh, How big are they? They're like, you know, like this big. My printer's like, you know, I don't know, this big. There's just, it, it's, and I, and, I, and I know that the world is going this direction. And it honestly, it was so easy. I, I follow these instructions. I built it. I download the files and it prints. Now I'm not by any means a 3D printing genius. Uh, and I'm, I consider myself technically savvy, but you don't really have to be that technically savvy. So this year I want to actually design something myself and print it. I'm just downloading things other people design. Um, yeah, it's like the old clip art books. You're like, I need this thing and I want to make it. And it just prints out. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay. I mean, wow. We're, we're, we're getting slowly into what I call like George Jetson territory where I used to <laughs> yes. watch things growing up and being like, there's no way Judy has a closet like that. And now I'm like, I think in my lifetime, we're going to see a Judy closet. Like that's, that's going to happen that when you tell me I wanted a hook, so I printed it. That to me is like, we're getting into like Jetson territory. Yeah, it's, it's mind blowing. 100%. Um, okay, I have this theory uh, that I love. I don't know if anybody else loves it, but I love it. And it, it is a remix 
on a theory that has been around for like a bajillion years, which is that you are the summation of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I mm -hmm. think now that we have these crazy things, mm -hmm. we are not the summation of the five people we spend the most time with. We are instead the summation of the five uh, accounts or virtual people that we follow, yeah. especially with COVID, we might not have been seeing people IRL, as the kids say yeah. in real life, but we might've been seeing them digitally. So I'm curious for you, what are like four to five, whether they're humans or brands or accounts that you follow on any social media that just light you up, that you're, you're learning from, you love their accounts so that we can follow them too. Yeah. you like, I actually am probably going to break the mold here, or the rules here, because I, so I'm not a big social media user. And I know yeah. that I've got like social media and I, I love sharing and I love teaching. I love putting information out there. I follow like all, I'm, I'm sure many folks here, maybe you watch some of my courses. I follow you all and I see all of everybody's stuff every day and it lights me up. It's not like I picked five people. I just am yeah. constantly amazed at everybody sharing. And I really love LinkedIn. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm only on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And that was a, a choice because for my mental health, it was so much nicer just to see all of these sort of little wins that people were accumulating throughout their weeks. And so honestly, I don't, and, I, I, and I'm sure you all could share some folks that I should be following, um, but I, I just kind of have a massive feed and I just get really excited to see all the stuff. I mean, every morning I'm scrolling through it and enjoying it. And yeah, so I'm sorry I don't have like a specific five, five prolific people. There are incredibly great people out there. Uh, okay, follow, can follow, you think like, of like one randomly that's not me? That you can think of, like, that maybe you saw in your newsfeed recently. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be prolific. Just one that comes to mind. Um, oh gosh, I, 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 yeah, that's that's a tough question. I know. I We're know. asking the hard questions, Brad. I know. Uh, what about, there like, is, there is, yeah, uh, Brad, 40,000 followers on LinkedIn. You got to be able to think of one. I, like, I just, but, you know, they're, everybody's in my LinkedIn. I look at all this all stuff. Right. I mean, it's never a common theme. Uh, I, I would say if you're, and, and look, the things that I, the people that I'm following or that I'm kind of interested in right now are very specific to the business that I'm in. So um, I, I could pick like West Cow or uh, right. Uh, Co-founder. They're, they're doing on Twitter too. Yeah. So they're doing um, some really interesting stuff with like cohorted learning. Uh, I think it's really interesting and there's a lot of really smart thinking there, but it's, it's, it's kind of more because I'm trying to learn more about where this business is headed. Um, I, I really kind of gravitate towards what I'm trying to learn. I usually find folks uh, and then I just start reading everything that they have and then I kind of move on. Uh, I do a lot of book reading more than sort of reading social posts. Is there a book that you have read this past year that you, you fancy a lot that we um, should read? Sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, show and tell. You know, this is a probably a little bit more political book, uh, but it's it's about the hundred year war between monopoly power and democracy. This is a weird one for a business owner to think about, but I try to think about like what's really going on in big business and how are we how are we going to be and think differently about being responsible entrepreneurs um, at the helm of company. Yeah. So I try to I try to read stuff that challenges what I was taught growing up. You always have to, you have to be a contrarian to your own thoughts. You have to push back. You have to play devil's advocate with yourself. I, I see so many folks. I know you're really upset. I have 40 something thousand followers and I, I do care for social media. I just, I'm not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not something I collect. I, I genuinely am inspired by everybody that follows me and watches my courses. I, I respond, respond to as many folks as I can on, on messages. And I try to put really good content out there, but, um, yeah, I don't. I love, I love this question from Miguel because he's kind of playing off the fact that you just showed the Goliath book. If there's anybody Ooh. in the audience that is curious about marketing, do you have a marketing book that you particularly love? That's a great question. They go out of, they, they, they go out of fashion so quickly. Um, that's true. I would say start with why is always like a good kind of classic. Yeah, go -to that's, a great, that's a great recommendation. Um, or you, um, purple, if, purple Cow by Seth Godin. That's so a good one too. If you want to really think, go way back. Uh, William Townsend, this is like the bond salesman. This is like the origins of 
the marketing funnel, like where we got awareness, interest, desire, action comes from, and I think you can just read it on Google books. I think it's like public domain. It's very old. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting to go back. This is really something I think we, we often read books that are about the here and now go back and read a book from, I don't know when the Townsend, it was 1800s, maybe 1900s. Um, and you'll be like, wait a second, they're talking about the same things. And it, it, it's really reassuring in many aspects to go, okay, a lot of these challenges that we're solving have been around for a really long time. And there's a nice reframing. So I would say, read some really old. <laughs> it's true. I, I always say, you know, there's so many classic, whether it's Shakespeare or the Odyssey, like there's so many classics that probably in our lifetime, we'll never read them all that compared with everything that's being written now it's just you can't consume it all you can't until until we get to george jetson where i can put them all in a chip and somehow i don't know put the chip in my ear and i'm looking forward to seeing your future jetson buys i want to know what right. kim adds to her life from the jetson's world <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking that judy closet I'll tell you that for sure. That thing was- I saw a, a robot that folds clothes. There's some company that's got, you just throw it in the top and out comes a folded shirt. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling that company after this <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, if you, we love homework. We, we come here every week, we love homework, which is weird because most people hate homework, but not us. We are loyal learners and we love homework. So if you could give everybody who's joining us for coffee today, a homework assignment, for this week or maybe over the holidays. It could be to read something. It could be to listen to something. It could be to do something. What would be your homework assignment for us? This, look, going all the way back to the question about having a mentor. I think that every single person should go on LinkedIn, should look through your list of folks that you follow and send some radical asks. Find 10 people and send them a message and say, hey, I really enjoy reading about or I've been inspired by dot, dot, dot. Now, you're not asking for a mentor, but what I would say is, would, would it be impossible or would it be crazy of me to ask for 15 minutes of your time, maybe in a week or two, over video chat? Go ask some folks that you're inspired by. You, you'd be surprised. At, I get, at, ask me. I get these asks and I say yes. Ask me. You can do so the time. Um, and it's so enjoyable, even if it's just a 15 minute chat to ask a couple key questions, come armed with the questions and just get some different perspective. I would encourage you to do that as, as like a career thing as on a personal side, um, write a letter in the mail to a friend. You will be surprised, like actually handwrite it. We, we have a digital medium. I try to write letters to folks and it's, it's so nice. You get a text back usually, but it's so nice. The, the response. So Send 10 digital letters to folks that inspire you that you could learn from and send one letter in the mail, not a Christmas card. Like just write a letter. Like, Hey, think about you this week. Here's something neat. Da, da, da. Just, just, just make somebody's day. We love I you. love that. I'm such a fan of sending cards and things in the actual snail mail. So I'm right. Yeah. I'm right with you on that. I and love that. If you do your homework of your 10 asks, send me a note on LinkedIn and tell me that you did your homework. I love that. And obviously I'm going to encourage everybody to follow you on LinkedIn. And it's really easy because that's, that's your only social platform. So, yeah, and you you don't have so I'll see the things that you post. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a win-win. I yeah. absolutely love it. And I would say everyone, if you have enjoyed this conversation, if this has been fun for you, Great news for you. We meet every single week at 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. If you enjoyed all of Brad's gems, which I definitely did, you can go to sendmenotes.com and we will send you all of Brad's tips and tricks and wisdom from this talk. But Brad, thank you so, so much. This has been really enjoyable. I loved all your tips. I can't wait to Google the, the thing that folds clothes and the three-day printer that prints hooks and the Townsend book. There's just a lot of Googling yeah. to do after this. Googling. So well, thank if, you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. You're doing an awesome job. I, uh, I, will, I will be in this uh, chat feed for these future ones because this is so great. Uh, thank you for having me too. Uh, really honored to be invited to do this. This was fun. So I love it. Well, I'm sending a big cheers from, from me to you and to everybody who's joining us. Uh, I hope everybody has an amazing rest of the week and we'll see you soon. <laughs>
Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.